and welcome to EQ Above IQ, Parenting with Emotional Intelligence and Healing the Inner Child. My name is Trina Casey and I'm your host. Thank you for joining me. Today I had the pleasure of interviewing Lainey Liberty. She is a best-selling author, international speaker, teen mentor, world schooler, partnership parenting paradigm advocate. I love that. And most importantly, her role as a mother to her son, who she traveled around the world with, world schooling. We had a very interesting conversation about her project, World School, and where she went with her son, and what that meant to their relationship. I, too, am a single mom, and I have been traveling with my son since he was about four years old, once with a partner, now without. And one of the things that I really love is the dynamics that we have built in partnership. And when I read her new book, Seen, Heard, and Understood Parenting and Partnering with Her Teens for Greater Mental Health, I was very happy this book, that she wrote this book. So many of the ideas on emotional intelligence align with my own, so much great research. And, you know, I got to tell you, the current system of education is not right. I'm sorry. It's been wrong for a very long time. And I love seeing and having people on this show in particular that are trying to break that system in order for better mental health for our children in the future and our inner child, because my inner child also got a lot out of this book. So I appreciate Lainey being here. Hello, Lainey Liberty. Welcome to EQ Above IQ Parenting with Emotional Intelligence and Healing the Inner Child. I am Thank so you. grateful you could join me today. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here this morning. And I love the trans, trans, no, it wouldn't be Atlantic because you're- I'm in Africa. The Pacific. I know, but yeah. that- so I'm in Mexico, so I'm closest to the Pacific. So you're I'm just in trying to figure. I'm in the Indian, yeah, trans, <laughs> transatlantic. I'm in the Indian Ocean around that area, and um, it's cool. I um, tell my audience about you because I, I have so much stuff that we're going to share. I just am excited to talk to you, tell my audience about you, but tell my audience your version of you. Yikes, that's a really big question. <laughs> a really big like what, what 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 do you do? Why why you're passionate about it? And how about that? Yeah. Sure, sure. Okay. I will give you sort of like the reader's digest version. So I am a mom. I'm a single mom. It's one of my proudest and most meaningful um roles that I've played in my life and and challenges I've stepped into. I'm originally from California, but I am speaking to you from Mexico. I have always been a single parent. I have been the custodial parent and I've partnered with my son's father while before he died, of course, and always had a really amazing relationship. Um, but always I was the custodial parent and the supporting parent and all those things. Mm -hmm. I worked in advertising, marketing and branding for 
18 years, almost 20 years. And for the last eight of those years, I owned my own agency. And in California, I was one of the first boutique agencies that specialize in green eco branding and advertising, marketing. And we also serve nonprofits. And in 2008, the California economy crashed and it hit really hard. And near the end of the year, I knew that I would not be bringing my staff back because I saw my clients drop away one by one, their budgets were cut, therefore they couldn't afford to retain me and my agency. And as I was sitting in the office, I was sitting at the time with, you know, it must've been 10 PM and it was like a Thursday night and I'm sitting with my then nine-year-old son and I'm just like, this is stressful. And I looked at him and I said something to him that changed our lives. Before I tell you what the thing is that I said, Mm. what I heard out of his mouth continuously was, mom, you're always working. You never spend any time with me. And that just broke my heart into a million pieces. And it really, really was not consistent with what I wanted. I felt like I was working really hard so I could provide because that's what I did. And, and, you know, the, the reasons, the desires to create a future was really destroying the present that I had with him. And I didn't know how to reconcile those two challenges. And so when I was faced with knowing that I wasn't bringing my staff back, this this moment of inspiration hit me. And I said to him, his name is Miro. And I said, Miro, what do you think if we just like get rid of all of this stuff and we just go have an adventure? Like, let's put backpacks on and see where the world takes us. Right. And he's like, yeah. are you serious? I'm like, yeah. yeah, of course. He's like, I'm in. And then of course his follow-up question was, do I have to go to school? And I'm like, no, of course not. <laughs> I'm going to go travel. <laughs> and that started what was to be a one-year trip. That was 14 years ago. And well, we still haven't gone back to the States to live. We've been back to visit, but just not to live. So that hasn't changed for us. And that was really the birth of so many things. I spent a lot of the years before I had my son Mm -hmm. and as an, as a very young mother learning about attachment parenting, um, I, previous to being a parent, I did a lot of reading and a lot of investigation into self-healing. I grew up with a lot of trauma and part yeah. of my trauma response was hyper-independence, which yeah. brought me to travel a lot when I was in my yeah. 20s, I traveled all over the, Europe and hitchhiked and had such amazing adventures. So the, the hyper-independence served me in many ways throughout my life, but until I started to reconcile and unpack the independence as a trauma response, I didn't actually come to, you know, integrate that into something that was really meaningful and powerful for me versus a running away from something. So the hyper-independence really propelled me into a path of self-healing. And I did a lot of investigation and reading and, Mm -hmm. you know, listening to podcasts and so forth about attachments, about healing traumas, about, you know, uh, inner child wounds, about emotional intelligence. And my absolute intention before I became a parent and when I got pregnant was 
I am going to heal these generational wounds. I yeah, am not going to repeat them. I am going to be healed and raise my child with authenticity and connection. And mm. that was my mission. So the statement from my son, the you never <laughs> spend time with me was, you know, triple devastating. It's like a knife in the heart. Yeah. yeah like a knife in the heart. Then turn it to the right and turn it to the left. And then like, yeah. like it was so incredibly painful because it's, it was the antithesis of what I wanted, right. but I didn't know how to go about it. So right. the opportunity that presented itself really was the catalyst, but it was really through the intention of desiring a really deep connection. And I really I didn't want to miss out on the next nine years. I missed out on the first nine years. I really wanted to be there. So the one-year trip planning, which turned into 14. 14 years. Yeah, it it came with a lot of intention behind it. I wanted to, we, we spoke about being partners on this adventure. I wasn't going to be the boss. We were going to make all the decisions together. We were going to yeah. trust our intuition. We weren't going to live with plans or rules. Mm-hmm. We were going to live, you know, in alignment with our values. Mm-hmm. We were going to be present every day and we were going to allow ourselves to be lazy if we wanted it because we didn't have any of those things in our conventional life. Yeah. That's when the transitions happened. And it's beautiful to hear that. Like, um, you have this beautiful book that you sent to me. Thank you, by the way, that I started reading it. And tell the audience, it's, what is it? Seen, heard, and understood. Is that what it is? It's right here. Yeah. <laughs> it is exactly and just Yeah, that. exactly. And as I was reading it, first of all, your son Miro wrote the forward, and I thought that was just so touching. I got teary-eyed. I was like, <laughs> I hope my son feels that way about me later. And actually, I think I know he does. You know, we've had a tough road as well. And I'm the main custodial parent. I had a a decent co-parenting relationship for for a while that has just recently deteriorated. Um, But, you know, I can't control everything in that situation. So I just focused on him and I. And building that dynamic that you were talking about that you have with your son. And we're going on year six or seven, seven of living out of the United States, almost eight. And of course, I was in Europe. So he did the school thing a bit. And I really regret that now because he got bullied so badly because he's biracial and we're living in Amsterdam and don't believe the hype. <laughs> I don't believe the hype. The education system is not where I wanted to be. The social, the social emotional piece is not really there. And so I had to change schools to try to find a place for him to fit. And then we ended up, COVID hit. And then we ended up here in Mauritius. And I'm so grateful for that because this little island near Madagascar is just 
this melting pot of people who look like me, you, and everyone else. So he is just like perfectly fits in there as his, I call him my mocha latte baby. And uh, he just fits in there and he's finally kind of thriving emotionally. It, they gave him a safe space to be afraid, to have anxiety, to, to, but embraced. And it's interesting because that's not what I expected, but I'm grateful for it, for the, for the type of school it is. I, I, I was, <laughs> but I really <laughs> wanted to homeschool, like, like out school. I love out schooling. I love the concept behind it. I love that you've done that with your son and how he's developed into the young man that he is through that experience, because I think that the patriarchal systems are devised to make us dislike and hate ourselves, and especially young men, young boys. And to get him out of the United States and away from that, you know, paradigm was, is my goal, was my goal. And so it was so great reading in your book, seeing how much our experiences and our ideology mirror each other. You know, it, it's just so honored. <laughs> really, I mean, we're both from California too. That's the crazy part. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, I love that. And I think that's partially the reason why I wrote this book. One of the first things I say is, look, I don't have a string of letters behind my name, mm -hmm. but I've lived this experience and I'm a self-directed learner and I've compiled mm -hmm. a lot of research. Um, I'm curious about the world. I'm curious about everything and I'm very observant. Mm -hmm. And that helps me to connect to others because every time I pick up, like I've got stacks of books, like just to my right, I could go off camera and reach them, but they're written by doctors and PhDs and they're dry and they're authoritarian and they're stuffy. And I have to decipher that. And I'm writing to moms. I'm yeah. writing to, you know, look, I'm imperfect. Um, here's the science. And my book has been reviewed by many PhDs, mm -hmm. many psychologists, many, and it continues to get reviewed by people, yeah. not just what I have in the book. And they all say, your science is solid. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. you, you're, you're, you know, you've been able to communicate these really tough concepts in a really easy to digest way. And that's my gift. to other Yeah. Parents. Yeah. When you get it, when you already have that type of like, my brain already downloads like that. I always call my, I'm, I'm the undiagnosed neurodivergent person who remembers being the kid that wanted to take the radio apart so I could see how it worked and then see if I could put it back together exactly I how I took the part. <laughs> my brain works that way. So I'm constantly in that way too. I'm a, I'm a critical thinker. And I'm always questioning as a Buddhist anyway. I question everything. So I'm not a very good drone, as I would say. I'm not a good drone. I've never fit in. I've masked very well, but I've never, I've never fit in. I, I have a section <laughs> in my book about that too, about masking and archetypes. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy yeah. how much we're all doing that. And 
you know, I talk on this podcast and I also talk with my clients about one of the things that psychology fails to recognize and do as I was studying to get my clinical clinical psychology degree, which I didn't finish because a little bit more halfway through it, I felt it was all not wrong, but was coming from the wrong lens of of how we victim blame the victims of a macro problem. We try to like micro all these issues, whether it's narcissistic personality disorder, bipolar, whatever, whatever the condition is, it's actually a symptom of a much bigger problem. And they've kept that little box within the family or a few predators outside getting in, but not the macro, the whole of the system. I totally agree with you. And I am a conceptual thinker, but I can integrate systems thinking into that to mm -hmm. help it give it sort of scaffolding or make it make sense. Yes. So I've got a framework and it is, we're talking about a very, a very, uh, when, whenever I talk to people here in Mexico about why I'm not in the United States, I say, porque uh, la, culto, la cultura es enferma. It's sick. It's sick. There's, there's an illness to it. <laughs> and it is. It's an overarching illness where, you know, we don't look at our humanity. We look at the little pieces we identify. This is why... The divisiveness in, in the United States is absolutely possible because it's yeah. touching on these wounds. Yes. And there's also a very high rate of fear programming and yes. scarcity programming. Right. And all that stuff is cultural. So why do you have people addicted to drugs? Well, it's because they're not connected. Why do you have cr high crimes? Why do you have all of these problems that we can look at is they're not connected to self and connected to one another because we're too busy looking at the differences and being afraid. And that's that, that is the problem. And it's so crazy because all of that is piggybacked on a for-profit model of capitalism yep. and that mental, I, mental illness. I feel, I always say that the culture in America in particular, but I would say also Western countries is narcissism it's like so manipulative like everything that you describe is all a manipulation to get to one goal power and money and there's only a handful of families that actually have any power and major money <laughs> that that's the part and everyone else it's all based on a feudal european system and everybody else are serfs yeah but how do you keep serfs complacent or happy is you give them what we framed as quote unquote, the American dream. American dream is the belief that you can change your class when in actuality, you will never be part of that 1%, mm -hmm. but it's an aspirational thing and it's American dream. It's actually the American nightmare. Mm -hmm. It's been sold for years and coming from the place of working in advertising and marketing for yes. so many years. I studied Bernay. I looked at the, the neurobiology of scarcity marketing. I've looked yeah. at 
fear. How it's all fear-based and I didn't want to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. That's part of the reason. Like I had this cognitive dissonance. I didn't resonate with the work that I was doing anymore. Even yeah. though for the last eight years of my career, I was focusing it on green eco companies and nonprofits. Yeah. Still, same same techniques, same expectations, same BS. And I just didn't want to be a part of that yeah. system anymore. Yeah. So I hear you. It's hard. It's hard too because the system is still, you know, rooted in this place, and we still have to provide for our children, and we still need to provide for ourselves. So it's kind of like trying to find a place to navigate as we try to awaken everyone. I call it the grand awakening, and I do see something happening, which I think they inadvertently started with their desire to put people in fear with COVID. So make everybody go in, make everybody afraid to connect, touch, to be, and then um, create the scarcity again so that you know the five families can make billions of dollars again. But the difference is this time people found ways to, to continue on via the internet to work remotely. And now everybody's like, why would I go back to the fields? <laughs> when we already proved that we can work, be more productive, be happier, spend more time with our families and our children and still do the job better than before. And that's especially for people of color because the microaggressions that we have had to manage and deal with by being in an office environment. It's been a lifetime of just like pain and, and questioning uh, you, your ability, you know, your ability to, to, to think and, you know, and even when you're at the top of your game, it doesn't matter. It's an insecurity created by all of this stuff to divide on false narratives, false Especially narratives. in the US. I'm not so sure about Europe. I'm sure there is a degree of that. I don't have that experience, but I know in the U US, absolutely what you've just described is 100% accurate. And for me, it's really fascinating being a, you know, I'm obviously white, <laughs> I've got blonde hair. Um, but I've been I do so do I. <laughs> yes. And we probably have the same bottle, believe it or not, because my natural color is somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> probably have the same bottle. Yeah. Um but you know, living in a country and it's I don't I don't purport to make this the same by any stretch of the imagination, but the little bit that I have experienced of being othered in, you know, Latin America, because of my color, my, my nationality, my race, my hair mm -hmm. color, you know, all that stuff, I have been othered. It's nowhere to the degree of what people of color have experienced in the U.S., mm -hmm. but you know, I understand what it feels like to some really teeny, teeny degree. It's like, it's just not to feel good. That's what I, I'm, you know, the, one of the things I think that people mistake in, they, they make it all about a comparison to, of degrees. When you don't feel good, you don't feel good. You know what I mean? Like, 
it doesn't feel good for somebody to pick out your difference in your othering. And I don't care what, what color you are. You know what I mean? I love uh, Jane Elliott's exercise about the blue and the brown eyes. You know, Jane Elliott, she's this little feisty old white lady. And um, if you've got to watch her videos on YouTube. She's amazing. But she was okay. one of, she's this teacher, elementary school teacher that went like, she's full on civil rights fighter. And she did this experiment in the classroom where she made the blue eyed kids oh, I remember than, than the brown eyed kids and basically treated them how black people were treated in America and, and, and around the world. And I lived in Europe uh, for several years on and off. So um, I'm going to tell you it's different, but not different. It's just presented in a very different way. It's almost like when you are in the country that colonizes, they're far more confident than the country they than being in the country they colonized. You understand? So yeah, so it's kind of like a less less of worry. Who cares? You know what I mean? Deal with it or leave. That's the attitude. So, you know, anyways, so back to the kids, back to your program. So you're at this, you're doing this amazing program in Mexico right now where you work with teens. And what does that look like? What is your goal behind that program that you're doing? Well, okay, so I've got several programs and I'll, I'll back it up a little bit so you've got some background because okay. that's the only way it makes sense. So I said that my son and I left the States for what was to be a one-year trip that ended up being 14 years, <laughs> like we're still at it. He, at 13, we our base was in Cusco, Peru, and we fell in love with the place. We loved it. It was a wonderful place to be. And I also had been writing about our journey, blogging about learning, natural learning, travel, uh, partnership parenting, all of these things I'd been writing about. Mm -hmm. And people started to read it. It was crazy. I just wrote it so I'd have a record and so that my family back home would see. But people started to read it. And we got invited to speak at our first unschooling conference in the United States. So we flew from Cusco, Peru to, um, I think it was Boston. Mm. And this was years ago. And so my son and I, hes that was 10 years ago. He's 23 now, so he was 13 then. We presented about our life and learning and what it looked like and how much we were learning and not you know, following a curriculum and not trying, but just living, not dividing, uh, you know, the whole concept of dividing living and learning. It just was the same thing. And the fact that we were doing it together was pretty powerful. Mm. That was his first exposure to free range kids, right? They were, you know, teens his age, running around, doing all sorts of things, gaming together. They were sword fighting. They were doing cosplay, like all these crazy oh. things. He's like, oh my God, my people, my people. And we went back to Peru and he was quite depressed. He was really like, I feel isolated. I don't want to go back to the U.S. I don't like the consumerist lifestyle. I really love being on the road. I love having, spending time with you. What do we do? And, you know, we, we molded over for many months. And I was like, you know what, honey? Why don't we just bring a group of teens here and facilitate a learning community? So you've got community. You've got it, you know, in these spurts. 
and they're really intense. And then you've got your space again. And it's like, that's a great idea. So together we founded a company 10 years ago called Project World School. And over the last, what, eight years, because two years we didn't work because of COVID, mm-hmm. but we have brought teens, groups of teens around the world. And so I did a deep dive again. I learned everything I could about learning communities, everything I could about the developing brain. I learned about the social development of uh, adolescents. I learned how to conflict result or conflict resolution. I learned nonviolent communication. I learned about holding space, like all this stuff. I did this really deep dive right. so I could become the best facilitator as possible for these groups of teens. So we brought our first group of teens to Peru that year. And then the next year we brought a group back to Peru and we did this you know, immersive learning. We dove into uh, archaeology and Andean mysticism and anthropology and history. And mm. we stayed on a farm. So it was ecology. It was That's amazing. Problem solving, all this stuff. So we did that the second year. Then we brought a group to Ecuador and did a surf retreat for, for a month. And then we did like we just started to expand. And so over the eight years, we were doing five to 16 month long teen retreats a year. Mm. Living in community, we've brought teens, groups of teens, like four or five times to Thailand. We've been to Vietnam. We've been to Cambodia. We've been to Wales. We've been to South Africa. We've been to Greece. We've been, uh, you know, many Latin American countries, and we always package up and produce these wonderful experiences. Oh, sounds amazing. From eight to 15 teenagers. Incredible, incredible, absolutely incredible. I, I can't wait till my son is old enough because now he's just turned 11. And oh this God, is that's a great yeah, age. Yeah. Woof, it's all. It's a challenge though, because he's just at that precipice of like, I'm going to want to do what I want to do and still <laughs> mommy, you know, <laughs> and, and, and yeah, no, he's, he is my partner in crime. We, we talk about everything. One of the interesting things is, is that it's become a jealousy point for my ex, unfortunately. And it's such a pity because my son doesn't deserve that. You know what I mean? Um, nobody does. Nobody doesn't. Nobody getting your kid in the middle of your own insecurities and projections. It's so unfair. It's so unfair. But you have to have a lot of maturity to co-parent. And that you have to get out of your own desires for that other adults, attention, respect, whatever, whatever you didn't get in the relationship, you're not going to get it out of the relationship too. And I think it's just like that acceptance that we're not together anymore for a very valid reason. Now let's refocus to the person who needs us both and make sure that is as easy as possible. You know what I mean? And that we take our personal over here, throw it away and let us deal that with that on the side. Don't bring him into it. Don't, you know, all that kind of stuff. But as our inner child, 
always has a conflict with being able to do that. You know, I do a lot of inner child work with people where, and in the emotional intelligence piece too, where I'm trying to get them to such a profound state of self-awareness that they're able to self-regulate right before they go into that reactionary, before they go into that trauma response. But it takes a lot of practice and it's a muscle <laughs> that you have to consistently flex because you yeah. have amyg amyg amygdala hijacks are real. You know, it's just, it's a part of our hardwiring as human beings. I write about that in my book and, yeah. and I always get asked, what is the one piece of advice you give to a parent? Mm -hmm. And it's practicing to pause mm -hmm. so that that's that muscle you're talking about exactly pausing and then you know if you started to do the work and i've got lots of exercises and things in my book to help people pull apart and look mm -hmm. at what's there why the reactions are those sorts of reactions mm -hmm. and if the goal is to no longer react but understand and recognize when you're triggered and then have the ability because you've practiced pausing before you go into reaction mode, mm -hmm. then you can respond in a manner which is really about creating connection mm -hmm. at that point, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So I totally agree with you. Yeah, those are the keys. And actually, those are the skills that I teach teens. I teach teens how to do this stuff. And I think it's really important to start exercising those muscles at an early age, as you call it, right? You know, as young as possible. As far as I'm concerned, our biggest, the biggest failure we have to children is the education system. Oh we, my God, don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> well, you out school. So I already knew we were on the same page for that. I've taught kids all over the world, English. I lived in Indonesia where I used to love my little kindergartners. And, and I remember walking into the school the very first day and there was a very British male there just trying to get these kids under control. And he goes, oh my God, this is gonna be your class. So I apologize now, they're total, they're, they're bloody monsters, as he said. And I went, oh, and I laughed. I said, oh, they are, oh, okay. And I walked in and they're screaming and running around. He's lost complete control. And I just said, freeze. And the whole class went, go. And I said, go. And they went wild again, freeze. And so I immediately learned, taught them how to wrangle in their energy through a game. Yeah. They just needed the right attention and the permission to be a kid. You know, that, that fidgetiness that is in, the, in a, all of us, you know, that we have tapered down because we were bad kids. We were told we're bad kids for our fidgetiness, you know, and the education system has just been just. Yeah. yeah, again, don't get me started. We've got like six hours worth of content there. <laughs> So yeah, it's just been me trying to figure out a new way to educate and create an education platform that creates safety. And that's why I call it EQ above IQ, you know, because you, our children are smart. 
they're geniuses until we make unmake them geniuses. And so <laughs> I just I mean factory schooling is designed to take the individuality out of the person, really right. break their will and teach them that they must conform and be obedient. And those are the the qualities that I do not want in my child. I mean, it might be convenient if my child is, you know, obedient, but uh, you know, just a little bit. <laughs> But in the greater scope of things, I do not want to birth into this world another obedient person. I want somebody who's going to shake things up. And so be it if they need to shake things up in the safety of my, you know, co-created family culture that we co-created together, then do it. You're safe yeah. to fail. You're safe to, to, you know, poke and try and, and, you know, figure out boundaries here. Do it here first. I don't want actually obedience in my family. That's just, that's authoritarian yes. and uh, not very empowering. <laughs> it's not empowering. And it's also doesn't teach you anything. It doesn't teach you how to be creative. It doesn't teach you how to think creatively. I mean, it teaches you how to be obedient. Yeah. And mediocre, mediocre. I yeah. noticed the most brightest stars, the brightest people, you know, have always been told to conform because they get to pick and choose the stars, whether it's through movies, whether it's through TV, you know, the patriarchy gets to you. I just watched the story about uh, Marilyn Monroe, her documentary. Oh, really? Yeah. It, you know, I'll be honest. I was like pretty, pretty blind, white lady. Okay. Growing <laughs> up, you know, but I also had this, attraction to her that I couldn't understand why. And after watching her documentary and realizing she was such a victim, oh, she was such a victim of the patriarchy, of how uh, Hollywood was basically, and still is, the Weinsteins of the world, sex trafficking, you know? And our children, <laughs> are constantly groomed for this type of thinking about women, our boys especially. And I just, I just don't want my son to grow up with that. I don't, you know, the, the divide between feminism and all that stuff, that's not what I care about. What I care about is a decent human being that sees a female as a person, as a possible friend to understand their body to understand those impulses and all that stuff is biological, but I can still look at Becky or whoever and just say, hey, that's my friend. You know what I mean? Um, it doesn't always have to be like romantic. And I, I wrote this blog talking about why can't we just be friends? Can you imagine if we lived in a world where male and females, like men actually like women? <laughs> like actually like women like to be friends because I really think our boys are brought up to dislike the feminine and therefore those feelings that are that are feminine which are natural the, the way they move their body whatever they do they always have to label it and categorize it as gay feminine whatever 
but it's just it's culture or society culture yeah. and society well you know they do it in latin america they do it everywhere they're just machismo and you know living in italy one of the things that i really loved about italians though they don't have this aversion to the femininity in them it, you you would think they would but they're the peacocks and <laughs> it's uh, you know like the whatever they called it the metrosexual or whatever yeah <laughs> That's so funny. I mean, I love the culture of the lady boys in Thailand. That to me was really oh, that was integrated yeah. into part of society. And lady boys are lady boys, and that's perfect. It's a they part work. of human nature, though. That's the thing. I I told my son. I said, you never have to box yourself into the man box. You create what it means to be a man for you. Yeah. You know. I think. Our sons have the benefit of being raised by single parents. And I think that on in some aspects, it's really, really powerful. It's a benefit. Others, you know, there's there's gaps and holes that we can't do. But, yeah. you know, they get to see strong, actualized women that are walking through the planet being themselves and doing what they need to do to care for our families and you know, take care of our littles and, and take care of ourselves and we're making it work. Right. And, and also empowering them because I think one of the things that men, young boys are taught to do is even weaponize incompetence, meaning I don't know how to cook. That's a woman thing. I don't know how to clean up. That's a woman yeah, thing. Those words never came out of my son's mouth. <laughs> that's not, that's not part of our reality. <laughs> it's partnership. Well, I have to compete, unfortunately, with that mentality of who, what roles women play versus what roles men play. And it's very disheartening, you know, that I have to say, no, 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 no. That's just going to hurt you as a man when you grow up because I I, I gave him this this, this, this scenario. Imagine growing up, not thinking in that way, okay? You don't have the divide that has been created and you meet somebody and she at first is probably a little unfamiliar with that because she's brought up a certain way. And then all of a sudden she sees that you're authentically this kind of just ambiguous, open, just caring, loving person and that you can clean up after yourself. When? You know, I love the realization that I have birthed into this world, a young man with high emotional intelligence, accountable for his own feelings, who can stop and listen to other people's point of view. He's got that because that was part of our family culture. That's what I modeled. That's what we did. And that's, that's now the young man that he is in this planet. He brings that into his relationships. Right. And I think that's beautiful. And I love how you said modeling, because I think I say this on my podcast all the time that you have to be the example. You can't just tell it. You can't just say it. You have to walk it. 
And if you stumble, you can also say, I messed up. I apologize. Yeah, it's called repair. <laughs> it's called repair, exactly. Because there is nobody on this planet that's walking in perfection. But most importantly, you teach them accountability when you do that. And that it's not the end of the world to be wrong. And you know how you do that? You do that by being fallible yourself. And you mm -hmm. do that by being vulnerable. Because sharing your vulnerabilities creates stronger connection. Yeah. We know that in our interpersonal relationships, of course, why, why are most parents demanding that they're put on a pedestal and worshipped? Why? That to me makes no sense. The the illusions that we have about our parents. I feared mm. my mother. Yet I was made to worship her, mm. but I feared her. Like that is not connection at all. That is, you know, that created a lot of drama that I had to heal because it created beliefs about myself and my worthiness. I want to show my son and the world that it's okay to be flawed. It's okay to have stuff that you're dealing with. But, you know, unlike somebody with a victim mentality, I'm taking accountability. Okay, so here's my programming. I'm not even going to talk about the blame of that. That's not mm -hmm. important. Mm -hmm. But the fact that I've got this programming in the me that I bring into the partnership, every partnership, my yeah. business partnerships, my, my, you know, friend partnerships, my, my romantic partnerships. I bring that me into it. So I'm accountable for that me, mm -hmm. every part of me, even the shadow me, the inner child me, the, the parts of me that I disown, that's the me that I bring into this. And guess what? Even if I'm trying to ignore it, it affects the us, the mm -hmm. partner the connection. So I'm going to be accountable and I'm even going to share with you. Here's a gift. Here's a mirror. You take this mirror and you hold it up to me when I'm acting out of a, in alignment with yes. who I am. And I will see that it's me doing it, not, not you. But that trigger that's happening in me is the me that I need to unpack and, and deal with. And Guess what? I give tools to do that in my book. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I'm, you know, it's so interesting. All of, all of every, I mean, like I said, reading your book was like reading my memoir. I saw so much of, <laughs> of my, my own ideology. And I was like, did she just like go in my brain and just. <laughs> yes, I did. Everything <laughs> I have to tell you, I did. I oh, didn't my, know you. But gosh, your <laughs> downloaded me somehow. It was just refreshing. And I will tell you as a woman of color, a lot of what we're talking about is so foreign in our community. And that is something where I'm trying to forge forward and remove the slave mentality from our parenting style, the do as I say type of mentality and the mother wound that uh, you spoke of, I have the exact same mother wound. And I just don't, you know, my son and I had a very interesting conversation about it because we talk all the time. I said, are you afraid of me? And he gave me this weird look. No. <laughs> I said, not even a little bit. No, mom, I'm not afraid of you at all. Why would I be afraid of you? And I said, I'm so glad you said that. And I started to cry. <laughs> Because 
I was terrified of my mom. I think I still am terrified of my mom. And that's because of the un- unpredictability and also, you know, never feeling enough that yeah. was created. And, and, you know, so I have given my son the license, like you said, with the mirror to check me. Yeah. To say, okay, cause I know what traits I have picked up and I know, you know, like once I get on a roll about certain things, I'll keep going. Cause that's what I was, programmed with and he'll go mama 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 you've been talking about this for five minutes now your time's up okay as I said because I give myself vent time I give him vent time I give him tools like the tools that you said you give your son that are in your book (laughs) (laughs) I I if we're not if you haven't told you know if you haven't noticed by the audience the audience need to get her book but, uh, <laughs> and you know, one of the things is that I'm a self-published author and it's so frustrating to have this golden nugget yeah. of knowledge that you've lived experience and have it blocked because it doesn't fit the structures it's in place. It's hard. Right? Yeah. yeah, it's, it's hard. hard. I think what helps me in that particular challenge is my understanding that I feel very secure in being an anarchist. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean anarchy as in chaos. I mean, anarchy as rejecting authority or systems that are not in alignment with the values that I hold mm-hmm. and I don't need to conform because I feel that that sense of conformity is actually a detriment to our gifts, our, our individuality, our creativity, our brilliance that we bring into the world. We walk into this planet and we can either inspire people or we can go, you know, hide in a hole. And I would rather inspire people to live their best lives. I'm concerned about people's mental wellness. I'm concerned that they give away their power to people that are undeserving. The power is found within. And I want every child and teenager, adolescent to grow up knowing that. And that can happen through the transformation of parents and our parenting. Yes. And that's beautiful. I always say we're all just children walking around in adult suits, pretending yeah. we have it all figured <laughs> totally. out while we spread our trauma to everyone we meet, especially our children. And so let's, do that. <laughs> let's, do let's, that. let's stop doing that. Let's be more conscious about our parenting and how we reparent our own inner child as we're parenting our own children. And it's such a beautiful opportunity. It's not denying your child their own identity, but it's such an opportunity for you to go back and reflect, what would I have liked to be seen, you know, heard and understood? What would I, what would have that looked like for me? And am I able to give that to my child right now? And so, gosh, it's been such as hard. An hour flew by that for me. Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> it is flown. Yeah. 
And it's like, I could keep talking to you because I swear you're, you're like my soul sister. I don't know how that happened. Totally. It's kind of freaking me out. We even got the same glasses on. Uh, <laughs> anyways, once again, tell my audience, where can they find a, your book, you, your courses, whatever, just give everybody the 411. Yeah. So my book again is called seen, heard and understood parenting and partnering with teens for greater mental health. But in actuality, it's not just for parents of teens, it's for parents and it's for people who don't have kids too, mm-hmm. but it's just framed in that way. You can find that exclusively on Amazon in any country. It's available in paperback as well as in um, digital format, but I totally recommend that you get the paperback because there's so many tools that you're going to want to use the spaces Mm -hmm. in the book to fill things out and make notes and so forth. You can also find me if you have a teen who's struggling, who would like to be mentored or take one of my courses. I offered 12 12 week and eight week courses, depending on the age of the adolescent. And I teach these tools and I create safe spaces and I do this stuff online. So you can find my courses for teens at transformativementoringforteens.com. And then I'm hoping that I can uh, bring back online soon. We're planning next year 2023 to ramp up the retreats again. We're producing, hopefully, fingers crossed, one in Mexico, one in Thailand, and we're hoping that we can go back to Japan and produce another trip. You need to do one here. You need to do one in Mauritius. Okay, let's that, do it. That, that, <laughs> we need to do one here. I've got Love the that. I've got the contacts. I've got the space. All right, but... we'll talk offline. For <laughs> But I do have another trip coming up that I just announced like this week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's for teens. This is through through Transformative Mentoring for Teens. It's going to be here in Mexico and it's a 10-day mental health trip for teens. And we will be doing internal discovery based on the hero's journey. So mm-hmm. I'm going to take them through the whole hero's journey and I'll take them through each of the stages and they'll be writing their own story. We'll be doing this through psychodrama, theater, dance, writing, art, and it's going to just be a 10 day retreat of just wonderfulness. That sounds amazing. (laughs) It's going to be amazing. You can find out that information at my website, Transformative Mentoring for Teens. And if you want to find any more information about me, just type my name into any search engine. There's lots of podcasts and videos and, and lots of stuff out there. I've been talking about this stuff for more than 10 years. So yeah. you can find a massive body of my advocacy for young people and for parents. And watch her TED Talk with her son. It was really yeah. cool watching that. I watched your TED Talk before I called in to interview. Well, you reached out to me, actually, which was I really did. cool. So I felt kind of special. I was like, oh, she already got her TED Talk and she's reaching out to me. I must be yeah. coming up. I love that. Yeah. And the TED Talk my son and I did in 2016, and it was really crazy. Yeah. The crazy part was they 
generally do not have more than one person on the TEDx stage. And we were speaking at an education, TEDx education conference. And here we were talking about education and not going to school. So it was really crazy. We, um, you know, challenged what the norm or the normal conventional thought of education actually was. So, yeah, it was, it was great. But that was... 2016. That was a long time ago. Well, he was 16 at the time, and he's yeah. now 23. Do you, do you I, like his hat? I like his hat. He's like almost the same height as you already. Like I was just like, and he was so articulate and just you know he he really. I was like, yeah, yeah. That's that's she's doing good work with that boy, and I loved it. And um, great. But I'm so. I'm so bummed that it's already been an hour and, I, and, yeah. and I'm sure you, you have other things to do and teach classes and all that stuff. So thank you so much for spending this time yes. with us and My introducing pleasure. yourself to the audience and go out and get her book, check her out and everyone have a blessed day. What an amazing conversation that was with Lainey Liberty. She's a woman after my own heart. I swear her book made me think I was writing it because it mirrored my life so much. And to take that leap of faith, to throw it all behind is something that a lot of us see as a privilege. But the truth is, is that I've done it in varying circumstances. And I actually have a great webinar right now that you can go and sign up on my schedule in thisreallifebooks.com. Just click on the coaching tab and you'll see some scheduling options. It's called Escape America Tips, Tricks, and Mindset Shifts. And the mindset shifts is the most important piece because we've got to change our mindset about how we live how we treat the planet, how we treat each other. And emotional intelligence is one of the keys that I have been using to shift my own mentality towards all of this mess. You know, this current reality is a pretty sick one. And we have to look at things in a macro view rather than a micro view in order to solve these problems. So I am always inspired by people who are thinking out of the box. And, you know, she called herself an anarchist. And I think that unfortunately, and fortunately, we all have to start thinking in this mindset because it's time to have the grand awakening. So again, go check out thisreallifebooks.com. Click the coaching tab, look at the different options. And if you are interested in some parenting advice on how to do out schooling, how to do world schooling, as she called it herself, please reach out. I happen to be an expert at it right now. So I hope you all enjoyed that and I hope you have a blessed day. <laughs>